The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. And welcome to the more you noble sports podcast. Once again, I am Mike Noble at Mike underscore Noble. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter and I'm joined alongside with uh, Caleb Noble. How are you doing, Caleb? I'm doing pretty well. Good, good, good. Cardinals made me happy last night. Yeah, and we'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, Happy Wednesday, July the 7th, 2021. Hopefully you guys have a fantastic hump day. Uh, Everybody in here is in a much better mood after last night, and we're going to get to that soon. Uh, First of all, we are super, super pumped to have our first guest host joining us today. Uh, The pride of Marquette Catholic High School, 1992, right? That's (laughs) <laughs> a fast pitch legend in the Midwest and the man with the prettiest teeth in all of the 618, Mike Godar. Mike, wow, how you doing, buddy? That's great. Uh, quite an introduction, Mike. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We are so happy to have you. Uh, it, uh, I think we're going to have a little audio issue, so we might have you speak up a little bit, but however, we'll be good. Um, first of all, let's just start. Let's get right into this. Last night, right? Last night, uh, I saw some of your posts. Obviously, we were pretty active on Twitter last night as well. It felt like, here we go again, right? Oh, I was 100% convinced the Cardinals were going to lose that game. Even when they were up by three late, it still felt like they're going to find a way to lose it. And it seemed like they sure did try. It it sure did. We, We were sitting down here watching, and Caleb the entire time was talking about how Oh goodness! Here we go. We're going to lose this game. There's, there's. We are going to definitely lose this game. There's no way we win this game. And then, my God, if Dylan Carlson doesn't make the play uh, of the night to save us, what a ridiculous catch that was! And while we're here, are we a hundred percent sure that Harrison Bader is a great defensive outfielder? <laughs> That's what I was thinking last night too. I, I, I mean, I think that win got in everybody's head to where nobody wanted to take charge. And when you're a guy like Harrison Bader, when he gets to the ball, he catches it. I've never seen Harrison Bader just drop a fly ball. So if he would have just gone to the ball, he would have been fine. But I think it was having everyone kind of lay back, except for Dylan Carlson, who went in for it. But when you have that, that Bermuda triangle in that outfield of the shortstop, um, center field, second base, you're always looking for someone else to catch it, and you don't want to hurt anyone. But if I'm him, even if he doesn't have the confidence to go get it or think he's going to be able to get to it, you have to be talking to the other guys and say that's your ball. Because <laughs> right. Paul DeYoung, I mean, he was right there, but I think he thought Bader was going to get it. Look, Mike played second base in high school, as did I. There is nothing worse than running back full speed into the outfield and nobody it's, saying a word. It's terrible because you feel like you're a sitting duck. But, I mean, at what age do we start teaching center fielders that you go catch everything you can get to? Anything you can get to, you go catch. Those balls were in the air a long time last night. Absolutely. And, the, only and, thing, the, my, the only thing I can think of, and, and again, this is an excuse. I didn't even listen. I don't know if Harrison got interviewed after the game. I, I didn't not. stay up and watch that. I, I don't know if he did or not. Um, my only thing is early in the game, it did seem like a lot of our outfielders were having trouble on the fly. We all know how San Francisco win can be. On the fly balls, like maybe they were carrying a little bit more. And I don't know if maybe he thought that ball was going to carry, and then it didn't. I, I, I don't know. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, right. I saw the replay. It looked to me like he just stopped. He just <laughs> that's what stopped. I saw. 
And he wasn't <laughs> looking at the ball. He was looking at the ground. So he just stopped. He wasn't going for that ball. Right, right. That, those are fair points. Fair. Hey, here's the thing. We took the first two in this Giants series, and, and we know, obviously, they're, they're leading out west. And to do that, coming off of that biz, abysmal Rockies series, was, was fantastic. If you would have told – I mean, Kim, excellent. Right. Tonight, Wayno did not have good stuff, I mean, at all. No, he's However, still, he's one of those guys that doesn't have to have it. He just had, he'll, he's going to go out there and give you a chance to win. Absolutely. It almost seems like he knows how the game's going based on how what his limit to how bad he can be is. Because you'll see games where he has stuff just like that, but we don't score and he'll give up one. Right. And yesterday he, he had a cushion and he was like, well, I don't have what I have, but I'm going to still give you guys the lead when I leave. Did you guys see this last night? It looked at one point like he threw an EFIS pitch. Did, am I the only one who saw that? The, or? The, he threw a curveball that was like 64. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's just a savvy veteran, guys. I mean, like you said, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still going to find a way to compete and give you a chance to win. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you obviously we remember Chris Carpenter, and I think Carpenter, if you were to ask either of them, Carpenter had better stuff probably than Wayno. I don't think there's any argument there. However, sure. Wayno, every year, you know, you think, okay, here's where it's going, he's going to hit the wall. And a couple of years ago, we thought maybe that was the year. And then last year, he's fantastic. And this year, he's been fantastic. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I know he said he only wants to maybe pitch one more year. Hey, I would welcome him back here with open arms for one more year. No question. Yeah. Uh, also, last night, one thing that I saw, which, which was really, really nice, was um, the middle of our order. Well, I say the middle of our order, which should be the middle of our order, but what right now is 2-3, uh, come up big. It's, it's nice to see Goldie and Arenado um, both have big nights. Uh, Nolan gets us on the board early, and then Goldie right now is just smoking the ball, it seems like. They, uh, top 10 in, in major leagues and hard hit rate. Yeah, and leads the league in hard hit balls. Yeah. Mike, what do you think about the lineup right now, bud? Well, like you said, it's getting better. Uh, guys are starting to come around a little bit, but um, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why we don't have Arenado hitting third. And, uh, you know, if it were just my lineup, it would go Carlson, O'Neal when he's healthy, Arenado, Goldie, and take it from there. <laughs> it- it, it's so funny you say that. I got buried on a, on a BFIB fan site for even mentioning that Arenado should hit third instead of Goldie. And, in fact, I got blocked on it. So the guy did not like my facts, and he obviously did not like my ideas. So he blocked me uh, on his site. Because <laughs> I, had, I had the balls to say, hey, I think no one should hit third, and here's why. He is our best hitter. And, look, you can go back through the uh, annals of history in baseball, and normally you put that guy in the number three hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I call me old school, but. Right, right, yeah. and I'm not old school. I think it's a, but, come on. I think it's a comfortability <laughs> thing, too. Because I remember I watched an interview with Nolan at the beginning of the year, and he said he won the bet behind Goldie, so they probably, I mean, that three, four, I mean, those two guys are so good. And you look at Goldsmith's average and everything, it doesn't represent, I mean, he has the most hard-hit balls in baseball. Like, he, he has, like, 140 hard-hit balls, I think it was. Like, that, and they don't, and he's only batting 255, that's just unlucky. Yeah, he has definitely hit Mr. Bellick. But again, I agree with Mike in the synopsis that I think um, I think Nolan in your three spot to guarantee that he hits every inning. I also like that Nolan the protection of Goldschmidt. Well, right now the problem we have, and Mike, I'd like to hear what you think about this too, is we don't have a number five hitter on, on, in this lineup. And I, I don't know. I mean, we I think we all thought that might be Paul DeYoung. It's not, it has not been Paul DeYoung. So what do you think about that? Right, the five hitter, yeah. Yeah, if you bat O'Neill second, like 
like I suggested, then it does leave a pretty good size hole in the five spot. My thoughts with Goldie, though, he's the only guy in this lineup that can really protect Arenado. And I think it magnifies the gaping hole that we have in the five hole when we have Arenado hitting fourth. There's just no, there's no good reason to pitch to him in any, you know, clutch situation. So I guess Molina's it until you find something more reliable, but that's obviously Molina's better suited to be a seven hitter at this stage in his career. Absolutely. I would agree. say if you're going to move O'Neill to the two hole, you would have to put Goldie behind Nolan. Because Tyler yeah. has been the protection for Nolan, and I know he's probably not as threatening to the other team, but they did not want to face him. Because you saw a lot – he started taking his walks because people were not throwing him strikes, and you can't pitch around Nolan and Tyler, so you have to throw the one of them. So right. you can you can move Tyler up to the two-hole, but that would mean you'd have to put Goldie behind Nolan. Let, let's talk a little bit about Tyler. Uh, O'Neill right now leading the team in average. He's hitting two seventy seven. Uh, leads the team in home runs with 15, leads the team in slugging at 559, leads the team in OPS at 891, and in a, an absurd 147 OPS plus right now. 11th uh, league in slugging. Right. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this. I know as, as someone who we've all been, but, you you know, I know you've been critical of, of O'Neill, and there's reasons why we've all been critical of O'Neill. Is this is this the coming out party for Tyler O'Neill, or are we, or is this all Fugazi? It feels like the coming out party. I mean, this is the guy we've been waiting for all along. This is the guy we traded with Seattle for. And it's really nice to see. It feels like I was skeptical at first. Obviously, he got on the hot streak right out of the gate. And you're thinking, okay, you know, the 0 for 26 is coming here at some point, like it always does. Right. But it just it just hasn't happened. And I think we're far enough into the season now that it really does feel like he's figured it out. I also think if there was ever a time for him to cool off, it would have happened by now because of all the injuries he's dealt with. It's kind of hard to to fake a good season when you get hurt three times in the middle of it. Like, also, it doesn't do, really happen. Do we know? Is he okay? Like, I've heard I, nothing I, before. I, I would think he's okay. I didn't see him in the dugout yesterday. My wife has a severe shellfish allergy, and I know that he – I think he has a nut allergy, right? Um, a lot of jokes yeah, maybe to be made there, but we'll go and let those go. <laughs> However, I do know – I do know – that, uh, that, you know, that's a scary, that's scary, man. That's a scary, scary thing. And uh, hopefully, obviously, we're thinking of him. I have, obviously, they play tonight, so the lineups have not been released. But I would love to see him in that lineup as we go for the sweep. It, it is also, obviously, that's that's awful that that happened. But it was just nice to see that he was ready to go play. Right, right. Um, yesterday. So I would imagine he'll be in the lineup today. But I also don't know how severe it was, so. Uh, Mike, as we sit right now, July the 7th, I always have to think about that. July the 7th, we're eight and a half games back of uh, the Brewers. Um, we've won, let's see, we've won six of our last nine, okay? So, we're, we're, I mean, not playing terrible baseball. In fact, six and four in our last ten. Do you believe, do you believe that this team has a run in them to get ourselves to July 31st to where we make Mo go get us maybe a number five hitter? And, I, I mean, I, this team could use three players probably, maybe even four to, to really make a push. Do you think that that's there? Do you think we're back in the 2011 TLR? Hey, I'm going to pound down your door most day left until you give me what I need. Or do you believe we're staring at 2022 and hoping that we make a run? Mike, I would love to believe that we could make a run at this. And with the expanded playoffs and everything, it seems like we should be able to. 
but I'm having a hard time convincing myself that this team is capable of that run as it stands right now. I granted, like you said, you know, six and three or six and four recently, that's, that's positive, but so far behind and so, so much ground to gain and so many teams to pass. I just don't know. And where do you go from here? Like really where, if you're Mo right now, what, what are you looking for? Because for me, I almost feel like if you look at this team right now, you, you could probably point at Tyler O'Neill, but if, if you take Tyler O'Neill out of the equation, who in this offense is overachieving this year? Who's, who has exceeded your expectations this year? And I think that might be the silver lining of it, is you know there are guys there that are going to perform at some point. Paul DeYoung is struggling really badly, but you know he's not a 170 hitter. That's just not who he is. Well, we hope he's not. He's a not a 170 hitter. hitter. He's played for four years now. Right. He's never been a 170 hitter. Right. And there are other – I mean, Tommy Edmonds starting to come around. He's had a really good last five games. Carlson's struggling a little bit now, but, I mean, I have no reason to believe that will continue. But that's the silver lining about it. And I know, I've seen some energy the last two nights that a team that's going to be three, four games under 500 does not bring to a season. Oh, I agree. I just feel like you and I have had this conversation about energy 47 times, and then they lose three games in a row. But we haven't beaten a, we haven't won a series like this against a team like the Giants the whole year. Fair, fair. And, and Mike, I agree. I, the, I mean, there's two guys that come to mind. I just know what I think it would take. Uh, if you could get a hold of the Texas Rangers and you could get Joey Gallo and Kyle Gibson over here, uh, I think this that might really, really put some energy into this team. But I don't see that. I don't know that I see that happening. What about – what do you think? So, for me, uh, if, if I were Mo, and I've never been really a guy that likes to blame everything on the coaching staff, but for me, saying what we just said, where – almost the entire offense is underachieving. Why not make the move now, fire your hitting coach, um, and see if there's a spark in the offense uh, from that. And then go out and, and find you a, a starting pitcher. Uh, Kyle Gibson's a great, a great call. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so convinced that you need to go out and try to fix the offense. I mean, the, the team itself is a very good defensive team. If we had another starting pitcher or maybe even two starting pitchers, that would go a long way to making this team what it could be pitching defense and eventually hope some of these offensive players come around and start producing like they have in the past. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Uh, the, the one thing that I would like to see, I, I, and here's my concern. I think, we saw them lose, what was it, 10 of 12 games, and they didn't fire Jeff Albert. Can, can somebody here explain to me the love affair with Jeff Albert? No. I just haven't. Also, the only thing the hitting coaches really matter about are the players and if they like them. All they really matter. Well, it doesn't in know. this organization. We loved Buddha, okay, and they well, got rid of him. Do with Matt and Jeff Albert. I don't have any idea how the players feel about Jeff Albert. Well, so, therefore, I don't care what I feel about Jeff Albert because I'm not one of the players. If they're, they're, I mean, they've scored, what, 11 runs now in the last two games? Do we think Tommy Edmonds' comments had anything to do with how the players feel about Jeff Edmonds? Maybe, maybe it was more about him wanting Jeff Albert to change his way of thinking than it was about them wanting to fire him. Maybe. What do you think, Mike? Thoughts on that? I just – I haven't seen anything from Jeff Albert since he's been a major league hitting coach that lead me to believe that he's making a positive difference on the team. 
Agreed 100%. And, you know, I remember a few years ago, everybody wanted to fire John Mabry, right? And I, I was one at that time that was like, hey, you know, blaming the, the batting coach for this, you know, hitting coach for this is not really necessarily the issue. But now, man, I don't know, maybe I was completely wrong there. Uh, is there something to be said about this organization that when we trade that when we trade guys from our organization, they get better, and somehow when we get guys into our organization, they get worse? It's sad because it used to be the other way around. We right. used to be able to grab the retreads, and they get in the Cardinal uniform and take off. We, you know, the Cardinals were famous for that with several different guys. And, and you're right. Now it's the other way around. Now we watch Adolis Garcia and heck last night we watched Donovan Solano and Brebbia and Dominic Leone, all former Cardinals out there producing well for another team again. Agreed. Yeah. It's uh, I I agree. I I just don't know what you do. Uh, Look, here's the thing. We've got the Cubs coming up this weekend. They've lost 11 in a row. Uh, you know, if, if you can take this game tonight, if you can take this game tonight, you've got the Cubs coming up for three. You know, I mean, maybe you go into Wrigley. Obviously, Wrigley is sort of like our course field as well. We kind of struggle in those two yards. But, you know, then you come out of the break, and, you, again, you've got the Giants and the Cubs and, and then the Reds, which that's a huge series. But I, I, I sort of tend to agree. I, I just don't I, – I think that's the problem. I think flashes of greatness – and then it's just disappeared. When you go into Coors Field and three of the four games that you, you lose, you score three or less runs. I don't know what to do with that. To be fair, the Brewers did the same thing in Coors Field. Well, the Brewers' offense is garbage. Like I, I would Has been all year. Over the Brewers' offense every day of the week. Uh, the Brewers are in, in first place by eight and a half games because they can pitch and they can pitch and they can pitch. Yeah, they can and they have also had a very weak schedule in the first half. We could also look, also look tomorrow and be seven games out. They had a doubleheader day and they faced Jacob DeGrom. Well, and it's, that's Corbin Burns, so that's going to be a good game. But, I mean, no one's shocked if the ground throws seven scoreless, and that's all it would take today. Right. And then um, game two, they have Brett Anderson pitching, who hasn't been great. And the Mets haven't announced their starter. But they could be – they could lose two today. We win, and then now we're seven games out. And that could be a look to where we could be six or five out before the All-Star break. That's a whole different look than what it was two days ago. Yeah. Right now, just a, a little bit here, uh, fan graphs – has us with a 2.4% chance to make the playoffs, right? A 1.5% chance to win the division and 0% chance to win the World Series. Uh, if you would like to put a little of your money, if you are a true believer in this team, FanDuel right now has us plus 1,400 to win the division. So, you know, go put 100 bucks on that if you've got a little 100 you want to line around that you want to burn. That's Guys, I am leaving for Vegas tomorrow morning. So, so there you go, know. plus fifteen hundred, Mike. I mean, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe you put a nice little hundo on the Cardinals. <laughs> the division, you got a nice little fourteen hundred dollar payout in October. <laughs> I don't know if I have. Uh, the, I don't know if I have the guts yeah, to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's talk a little bit. And Caleb brought it up. Brought up Paul DeYoung, and let's talk a little bit about Paul DeYoung. Uh, I don't know what to think. I, I don't know what to think about Paul DeYoung at this point. Uh, I, I, you know, like I said earlier in the year, I went from so angry with Matt Carpenter to feeling sorry for him. Uh, and then now, of course, he's, he's had some big hits for us, one the other night that was huge. Um, I don't know what to do with, I don't know what to think about Paul DeYoung. We're looking at a guy right now who is obviously really, really struggling, hitting 177, uh, three more strikeouts last night, and he just looks, he looks completely lost. Like he, uh, he's guessing wrong every single time. We're sitting with a guy who obviously has a contract. 
Uh, we've got it for four more years. Next year, it's six mil, and then nine, then 12 and a half, and 15. What, what do we do with Paul or with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Paul DeYoung, Mike? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Look, he hasn't been trending well. Um, and he's kind of shown over the last two or three years now that he is, he is what he is. He's a low average um, guy that has some pop. Is that good enough? Well, if you have a good lineup, you can certainly float Paul DeYoung out there every day. But I don't know. In, in a lineup like the Cardinals have right now, it's hard to carry that that many holes in a lineup. So I'm really impressed with what Sosa has brought to the table. Um, you guys talked about energy. I mean, that, that guy brings energy. And, you know, he plays a good shortstop. He, and – He's he's hitting enough to earn playing time. Even last night as a late add to the lineup, you know, he came through with a home run, three hits. Yes, three uh, hits. And and a fantastic defensive play at second base, which may have by all intents and purposes saved the game. Yeah, but he also made a didn't turn double play that was a double play. <laughs> yeah. But um Edmund, I like that he hustled. I mean he almost had three infield singles yesterday. I mean he had two of them. The third one was just a great play. But um, Paul DeYoung, he doesn't look like Paul DeYoung, and that's why I'm saying I don't think this continues because he's not taking a Paul DeYoung swing. He look, He's a completely out of sorts. I've been there where your swing doesn't look like your swing. So when he gets that swing back, if he can get it back, and that's once again going back to Jeff Albert is how is he helping the guys get their swings back when they're lost. But, I mean, when he can get it back, we've seen even this year he struggled really badly, but there was that stretch rate, like five homers in four games. So, I mean – I, I don't know. I would like to think it won't continue. I mean, at least he plays a good defense. Good defense. I mean, that play well, he did make an error last night. But he, he does play good right defense every, every game, basically. I, 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 and here's my question to both of you guys. How long do you go, though? Like like we, we talked about, Sosa there for a while looked like he was getting exposed, and then all of a sudden, boom, he pops right back up. And there is no doubt that he plays with 100% energy every time he's on the field, and I absolutely love that. And we know that the B-Fibs absolutely probably love him. They're probably a little conflicted on Edmundo Sosa, if we're going to be honest. They're not sure what to feel about it. They're used to seeing that from Rex Hedler. They're not used to seeing that from a guy like Sosa. <laughs> but, but, but if we're going to be honest, like how long do you keep throwing Paul Dion out there with Sosa sitting on the bench uh, until he finds a swing? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Sosa does not play that good of a shortstop. He's been fine. He's he does fine. not. He will, he tries to make throws he can make, throws the ball away. I've seen that dude make more throwing errors this year than I've seen Paul Young make since he's been a Cardinal. <laughs> I think you made those stats up, but. I didn't make any <laughs> stats. I have seen him make more throwing errors than any shortstop I've seen a Cardinal make. He hasn't played there very much. He just forces, he likes making the big play, which everyone knows, but he forces it. Next, next year we've got. Uh, four big time shortstops on the market, maybe five. Do do you believe that the Cardinals? It, it, let's say they fall out of it. Do they trade a Paul DeYoung at the deadline? I, I think if they don't fall out of it, he's still a candidate to be traded. Okay, but that would only be if you could bring in Trevor Story. Right, Mike. What do you think? I think Trevor Story is probably a pipe dream, but I would love to see it. I, you've got you've got Story out there next year. You've got Correa. You've got Seager, you've got Baez, you've got Marcus Simeon. Do you believe that the Cardinals make a run at any of those guys, Mike? I would love to see it. History would suggest no. 
but we do have a lot of money coming off the books. So it, it would certainly be nice to make a run at an impact bat for next year, because, you know, you have to think about this. Some of your organizational decisions here have to be built around making sure Nolan Arenado is happy and wants to stay. Right. And yeah, because so, we cannot lose him. No. Right. Right. But on the superstar will come here ever again because they'll be like, why aren't people saying? Right. And if I mean the only the one person that would make him really happy is Trevor Story about it. Maybe <laughs> want to go down that rabbit hole of a thought. So Trevor Story's gonna get three hundred million dollars in this offseason. Right. And that's my that that's my main problem right now. We're that far out of first place and if I, I can't see a path to trading away any of our blue chip prospects to try to go for it this year. It just doesn't make any sense to me to try that. Like I, I love Matt I Scherzer. I love Trevor Story, but I I would not trade Nolan Gorman in a deal for any of those guys. And well, that's, that's the thing, know. no one will. And yeah. in a mid season rental deal for half a season, the Rockies are dreaming if they think they're gonna get anyone close to Nolan Gorman. They didn't even get that out of Nolan Arenado. So no one's going to be trading that for Trevor Story or um, everyone got burned after Rolos Chapman left for Glaber Torres. I mean, obviously they got a championship, but then Rolos went back. No one's going to be trading a Gorman-type player for Story or Scherzer. It just won't happen. It hasn't happened. Well, it, yeah, I, I mean, unless you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> well, they go trade for Trevor Story for half the season. I'm if, the, if Trevor Story ends up signing with, with Pittsburgh, I might be done with baseball. That might be it. <laughs> That just the might, final that straw. I, I, so let me ask you this. We all know that I think, I mean, I, I guess we all know. I believe the only way into the playoffs this year is to win the Central Division. Right. Unless, in, the, Giants start unless the Giants Unless something dramatic happens and the Giants fall off the face of the earth. Which like, I, just three to a fourth place <laughs> in NL Central. We're, hey, we're in third place now. We're, <laughs> yeah, put some damn respect on the Cardinals. But in case we see that, right, do you, if, if let's say we get it to under five before the trade deadline, does that? What do you think happens, Mike? Do you think? Do you think we go for it, or do you think we say we're still? Because I agree, I don't want to see Libertor, or I don't want to yeah, see Gorman, and I don't want to see uh, obviously Jordan Walker or Mason Wynn or any of those guys down to the our big stars at the minor league level traded. But I also do wonder if with a team like Colorado, who's who's out of it, knowing that Trevor Story's not coming back there, do they take less? Does does a team? Uh, like the Cubs. I mean, I don't think the Cubs are going to trade Javi Baez to the Cardinals. I don't believe that. Um, but what do we think about that? Well, let me flip the question to you, Mike. Sure. So, if you're if you're saying Nolan Gorman's off the table, which I completely agree with, Libertor's off the table, completely agree with, Jordan Walker, same. What do the Cardinals really have that people would want outside of those top prospects? Because you would think if they had more guys that were capable of helping, they'd probably be here or at least be knocking on the door. Well, I definitely think we're watching, unfortunately, Andrew Kisner kind of rot again, like we've watched Carson Kelly rot. Do you, do you believe Herrera? I mean, do you think he's on the table? Yeah. I, I wouldn't trade him if okay. it were me. I mean, so you're, so you're I, a believer that he is going to be the next, the next catcher here in St. Louis? I think so. Okay. I, yeah, I do. And I, and I think, you know, we all love Yachty and, it, you know, he may very well still play another year or two, but 
at some point, you know, the well's going to run dry and we're, we're going to have to have a replacement ready to go. And it seems like timing wise, Herrera is the perfect answer. Yeah. So do we not believe in Kisner? I like Kisner a lot. He plays the game hard. He's learned from Yachty. I think Kisner will be the next one. Herrera, I think it's still probably two to three years out. I, I don't know. The, I don't know if the Cardinals believe that. I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they believe. I know that. I know that. I think they can make a run at the season. I don't know why I think it. I wish they didn't <laughs> think it. Well, because but we saw 2011 happen. Just, we have a lot of games versus the Brewers in the second half. A lot of games. That takes one series and you gain three. Yeah. And I don't believe the Reds are playing good baseball right now. They're going to fall out. The Cubs, they're about to trade everyone from what, all of, from what I've seen, unless they somehow find their magic against the Cardinals again um, this weekend. But I think it's really just two teams. I mean, I unless the Reds have something I'm missing. But I think it's two teams that have a legitimate shot. And I don't see the Brewers being a 95 to 100 win team. So I can only think they're going to go through a bad stretch here soon. Yeah. And that's, that's all I can say about it. <laughs> I get, like if the Brewers won 100 games this year, I would be like, what happened? It's the true Cardinal belief, man. The true Cardinal. We've seen it happen in 06. We saw it in 11. We've seen these teams come back. I don't know that we have it in us. But you know what? Whenever I, I go back to my old Facebook post in 2011, I was yelling trade everybody. I was yelling fire TLR. And then the next thing you know, Dotel shows up. We get rid of Colby Rasmus. We get a couple other guys going. David Freeze becomes, uh, I mean, a legend. And here we go. We have a World Series title. So what in the hell do I know? <laughs> well, you know, the one thing, I, 2011 was awesome. And I think we were all in the same boat riding that roller coaster. But, you know, you mentioned 2006. That was – that team was not fun to watch <laughs> for pretty much the entire season. And – they got healthy and hot at the right time, but if I remember right, they won. Was it eighty-three games for the season? Yes, eighty-three. To, to eighty-three to get in the playoffs. Eighty-three is not cutting it this year. Um, you know, you're going to have to win ninety to ninety-three probably to get in. I just don't see it, and I, I I'm as diehard as they come, and typically as optimistic as they come. I just, I just don't see it, and. You know, maybe obviously getting Flaherty back at some point is going to be huge. Uh, stabilize the rotation a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm weird. I'm a weird Cardinal fan. It just seems like there's so many storylines on this team that are more than the team itself. Could be Yadi Wano's last year. It's Carpenter's last year. Nolan's here. Jack's hurt. I can't – I just don't think we're going to be out of it by the time Jack gets back. And I don't think the Brewers are going to continue – doing what they're doing. I just, I don't think it's sustainable with that lineup. I think it's definitely fair to question the Brewers. Like, I think like, that is definitely fair. having one bad month and us having a good month, and now we're two games out. I mean, there are just a few things going in our way, right? Since the removal of, of the spider tack, we are one of the few teams in Major League Baseball whose ERAs have dropped, which begs a lot of questions. Like, did our guys not know how to use the spider tack? Were they applying it incorrectly? <laughs> or was it just because we faced the Pirates? What, was it because we faced the Pirates? But we lost to the Pirates. So I wonder, like, who was – maybe we need to find someone to teach them how to cheat better. Maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> okay, there, there are a lot of questions there. How does RERA drop while others go up? Hey, maybe we're really good at throwing pool, pool balls. I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, all right. So let's transition a little bit from the Cardinals. Just one, a couple things I want to go through. A couple couple pieces of news today. Uh, surprise to me, Adam Eaton DFA'd by the White Sox. Uh, that that was a shocker. Granted, he's only hitting 200, but Adam Eaton's a consummate pro. He's a World Series champ. Uh, I've got to believe he's going to be swept up very, very quickly by by a contender. Don't you guys? Yeah. For, yeah, for sure. I, yeah. That's, he was batting second for a lot of the years. Right. Hit second last night. That means they're probably about to make a move. Uh, tells me that, um, well, they, what they, they DFA'd him to activate Adam Engel. Um, but it tells me, that, is Chris Bryant heading that way? Is Adam Frazier maybe heading that way? I mean, there's been a lot of guys more. linked to the White Sox right yeah, now. Yeah, and they're going to make a move for a second baseman. That's that's just going to happen. But in a short-term one, because they still like Nick Madrigal, I think. But that, I didn't even know that meeting was DFA until you just said It that. just happened this morning. came across the wire. Uh, it tells me, guys, that – I mean, I don't know how often it happens where there's trades between the Northsiders and the Southsiders, but don't you guys believe Chris Bryant would be a perfect fit on that White Sox team? Um, he, I mean, I think he'd be a perfect fit on – his versatility is incredible. I, I don't like him. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he doesn't like St. Louis. He doesn't like you. I, like, I don't so. like him at all. But his versatility is useful on, I think, any playoff team, especially an American League playoff team. Who can DH him or move someone else to a DH spot? And but he can play the out, play the all three outfield spots. The north side Chicago might burn down if they take Chris Bryant to the south side. <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to happen. Miss O'Leary's cow again? She's going to strike a hundred and some years later. Mike, what do you think? I I agree with Caleb. I think he would be an asset to any team, uh, any contender and playoff team, and with. This losing streak the Cubs are on right now, they are almost assuredly going to be sellers, and I I think they'll probably trade all of them unless they have some kind of a handshake agreement in the pipeline to extend one of those guys. Agree, don't you? I, I kind of think that maybe this this uh, lose eleven game losing streaks the, the best thing to happen to the to the Cubs since they won the World Series. Because you know they're sitting there with all these terrible contracts that they know they have to unload, and they were right in the thick of it forever. And now they're like, whew, now we, <laughs> this we, we could trade Brian. I mean, there's no doubt Kimbrell's going to be the number one trade target, I think, from everybody. I, you can line up the teams who are competing, and they're going to want Craig Kimbrell. I've heard Houston. I've heard Oakland. Uh, could you imagine Craig Kimbrell in Houston? I mean, he would be electric, and he's just like a Houston guy that nobody wants to like, but <laughs> somehow he does a little bit. But – yeah, I mean, yeah, Javi Baez is the guy that I think they're going to try and keep. He sells them jerseys. He's their guy. And also, nobody's going, nobody other than the Cubs would pay him what he's going to want. I See, what do you think about that, Mike? You think it's Baez? I think it's Rizzo. I think they're going to keep Rizzo. He is absolutely beloved up there. He does a ton of charity work in the community. He's sort of like the Cubs' Adam Wainwright, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I just don't think Rizzo's going to require as much money as Baez. Maybe. maybe. Oh, I see what you're saying. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. First of all, if any front office has ever been excited about an eleven-game losing streak, it's the Cubs front office right now. That's a, that's spot on. Yep. And yeah, I I feel the same. Rizzo's the heart and soul of that team, and I think that's the guy that they would make every effort to try to keep. And contract being probably more team friendly would make it even, you know, make it even better. I just, I think Baez is gone. I think Bryant's gone. Kimbrell is most certainly gone. And they should yeah, be able started. to make a, uh, they should be able to make a really nice haul on all those guys. I, and I don't know what Zach Davies' contract looks like. I, 
I don't know if if they're if that's a guy they want to build around he and Hendricks. I, I mean, if I'm the Cubs, as far as I'm concerned, just about anybody on that that roster is, is I mean, there's a lot of talk of maybe Contreras getting traded. Now I, I know they just signed was it was it Maldonado they just signed? Who was the guy? They just signed a backup catcher. Maldonado. So okay, so that's not who it was. They just signed a backup they, catcher. Oh yeah, they did. Um, it's like Robert their Chirinos. Yeah, Chirinos. It's like their sixth backup catcher this year. With that alone, is kind of crazy. But. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I don't see – they can't blow up everything because then they had to bring up minor leaguers who are not ready to play and kind of ruin their confidence and throw them into the fire. But I would be shocked if – I mean, if, honestly, storylines in baseball said that nicely. The Cardinals could send this team this weekend into full sell mode if they were able to take two or three. That, yeah. Which, I mean, I'd love to see that. But um, Baez, he's not going to get traded. I just don't see it. I, I think he is. I, I don't see that happening. I think Brian's going to be gone. I also don't know how many teams want Baez. I guess the other what? thing we'd have to look at, and I haven't, but the teams that are in contention, who really could use a shortstop? I think that's something that we Oakland. could also really look at. Oakland, maybe. Yeah. I think they're going to go hard for Trevor Story. Yeah. Well, what what sense would it make to hang on to Baez if you can't sign I him to a long-term they, I, deal? I, just, I can't imagine them not signing him back next year. And trading him is not exactly a good way to, in good faith, think he's going to. If back. I know anything about Javi Baez, he's going to demand Trevor Story money. That that's what, and, and I just don't get it. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Next year, obviously, you've got what you've got the CBA coming up and everything else. I, I don't know. There are a lot of teams. Javi Baez helps a lot of baseball teams, and so I, I almost bet that that, and he could be a guy that bet signs or bets on himself. AKA a lot of these other guys. Marcus Simeon this year signs a one-year deal. And look at the year Marcus Simeon's but, but, I mean, yeah, I understand. But you look at the five stores up there out there, and Javi Baez is no doubt the worst. Disagree. He's the worst. Disagree. He's young. <laughs> He's not better than He's Corey Seager. If you put Javi Baez in a lot of team, in a lot of lineups, they become dramatically better. I agree, but, I mean, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, all three better. A lot of questions. A lot of questions there. I mean, Correa's health. Correa's getting older. Obviously, we know that uh, I mean, Story, but he's had injuries in the past. Corey Seager can't stay healthy. I mean, I almost think that you could put Baez above a couple of those guys yeah. without a problem uh, and move from there. Thoughts? I'd take Baez over every one of those guys except for Story. Yeah, I think I would too, to be honest. And, and I think I'd, I'd take him over. I, I am a Marcus Simeon fan. I think he does everything well. He plays two positions in, at an all-star level. Uh, but I think Baez, I, I, I just think with his flash, with his power, I know he strikes out a lot. I know he swings at everything. But that's the game. We've that's the how, game now. We've seen Javi Baez's floor in a 60-game stretch, and we've seen, we haven't have seen a floor like that from any of the other I players. agree, but I, I, you and I have had this discussion quite a bit. I, I kind of throw out 2020. Like, and you said the same thing. We throw out uh, 2020. Yeah, I do. But we all, I mean, this year, highest strikeout percentage in the major leagues by quite a wide margin. Like, he's, he's not the guy we thought he was. He's well, you don't think Jeff Albert? MVP candidate. What'd you say, Mike? You don't think Jeff Albert could fix that? Come on. <laughs> I, think, I mean, if anyone can, it's right. Jeff Albert. He might have, Jeff Albert might have taught Javi Baez how to hit an outside slider. Also, Jeff Albert, if you're listening to this right now, you might be the best ever. So we're 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 hoping that you are. He's just not. so you know, in case you'd like to come on here one day, he's not the best. A lot, ever. a lot of untapped potential there. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely hey, Potential will get you fired. That's right. Well, I guess it gets some <laughs> just, people fired. Just a couple other headlines. 
uh, that came across uh, Vidal Bruhan, the, the number two prospect in the Rays, called up today, hitting fifth in the doubleheader. Uh, so look, they've got him. They got Franco so up. Speedy switch hitter. Super, super exciting time for to be a. I mean, and the Rays just keep winning. They just keep pulling guys up. Doesn't matter. Hey, also for those of you who are not, there are a lot of you, hopefully listening, the the hundreds of thousands of you that are listening right now. <laughs> there's probably some of you who are not watching the Rays games. Just go and just Google search Brett Phillips and watch every interview he does. And watch him warm up in the bullpen. Watch, watch him do anything he does, and you will your day will be better. <laughs> Probably if you told someone in the bullpen that he could throw harder than them. You know and that then, he won a steak dinner out of that. Yeah, and then just threw 45 the rest of the night. <laughs> and box, by the way. Dropped the ball on the mound and box. Oh, <laughs> I love that he said on Twitter a lot of people are comparing him to Otani. He said that he said that the race <laughs> because he's going to use a Shohei Otani comparison yeah. in arbitration. Uh, speaking of Otani, let's talk about that really quickly. Um, Otani, they they put him on the roster in the All Star game to pitch. So, Mike, tell me this: How do you think? How are they going to do that? I am really intrigued. Obviously, it's an All Star game; it's an exhibition game. There are no rules anymore. We're not doing this stupid crap to play for home field advantage. We're not doing that. I am uh, look. Otani's must see TV. Right. I mean, every night he does. It just seems like he is as fun as anybody. Another superstar wasting away in Anaheim. But how, how do you think they do that, Mike? How do you think they, they you think they throw it? They start him. OK, so I think in order to make it work, if you really want to see him as a pitcher and a hitter, I think the way to make it work is you you don't start – does he have to start? Is he already a starter as far as offense goes? Does he have to be in the starting yeah, lineup? Yeah, he's a DH. Okay. He won the okay. okay, that makes yeah, sense. He is, yes, he is a starting DH, yes. Okay, okay. Well, that kind of foils my plan then. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess you go ahead and start him and uh, let him let him throw in, you know, an inning or two and let him bat once and then you get him out of there. And I wonder if the other if the other thought process is let him get a couple at bats, then get him loose. You know, then he's warm. Go get him down in the, in the bullpen. And just have him then come in and throw one inning, and then you can replace him with a DH because I don't know how that works. It's Obviously, the it's an extra game, game right? Yeah, yeah. The only they way probably will. Yeah. MLB loves writing its own storylines. They really you do. You either start him and bat him first, or you bat him first or second. And you come in and he saves the game. Because they want they, they want one of those two storylines. Yeah. They're not gonna just put Shoyo Tani in that throwaway thing. And throw him in the sixth inning when it's gonna do two or something. They're gonna start the game, which I hope he doesn't, because I want Rodon to start it because I think he deserves it. And then I think he's gonna close the game out. I think that's what they're gonna I do. want Kyle Gibson to start. Carlos Rodon to start the game. <laughs> so uh, for I mean, my my original idea was just uh if he wasn't starting the game as a hitter you know, they could bring him in to DH the second half of the game and then, ha- you know, have him pitch right. the, the, la- the last inning, and that would Who work out. You're on pace to hit 65 jacks, you start the all-star game. <laughs> I guess you have to, right? <laughs> and I, I do think Kale's right. Like, it, you know, the MLB, is, it, it's going to be a big game on there. First and- big league hit for Vidal Bruhan. Hey, shout out. Shout out to Vidal Bruhan. He's got his first big league hit. So, Hey, welcome to the show, kid. Welcome to the show. Wearing number seven, looks Kenny Lofton like out there. <laughs> what, one more thing I just wanted to hit on before we go through some standings, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and, and uh, we'll end this first segment. Do you believe? Uh, well, no, not do you believe. Really, really cool thing the other night. Albert gets a six hundred, six thousand total bases. Uh, he's fourth now all time behind Aaron Mutual and Mays. 
again, the best baseball player I've ever seen as far as here in St. Louis. Uh, Ken Griffey is still my all-time favorite. Whether you can talk about, you know, we can have that argument about best we've ever seen. He, Albert is on my Mount Rushmore for the Cardinals, without a doubt. Um, just really, really awesome to see him go to L.A. I, will, I understand what I just thought, again, he writes their storylines. It would have been a really cool storyline. Uh, he might get a World Series and retire, right? If the Dodgers win, I could see that happening as well. But really, really cool, cool. Yeah, the, I, I was absolutely shocked that Barry Bonds wasn't on that 6,000 total base list. And the thing that Albert now has more total bases than Barry Bonds is crazy because he has over 100 home runs less than Barry Bonds. Yeah. Or around that. Right Bonds around. walked so many times that might have. It's so crazy that doesn't count as total base. Right, that's right. Story. Mike, anything on Pujols? Uh, like you said, best I've ever seen. And the – the best part about it is that the Cardinals got all of his best years and didn't have to didn't have to pay for his declining years. I still Agreed. wish they would have brought him back though. I really do wish they would have brought him back to Same. finish his career here. I, I with this team and this offense, there was just really no downside to bringing him back and they certainly wouldn't be having the 24,000 at the ballpark with when full capacity is available. Yeah, then you have to say I'm done and he just wants to <laughs> Right. <go somewhere>. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that's out the window at this point. Gotcha. Maybe Albert could have been a player coach. Like he could have been our hitting coach and our, our guy, right? The, the per, the, get the real Albert in <laughs> well, there. Well, I, I watched an interview with, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember who it was. Someone was talking to Albert and they were like, he was like, hey, how do I hit this outside pitch? I'm struggling with it. And he was like, I don't know, you just see it and hit it. <laughs> He's been so good his whole life. He would not be the best hitting coach. Uh, let's just quickly here, we'll go through the standings, and then uh, we'll move on. Uh, we talked about the Central quite a bit. I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what to think about the Reds. The first half was Castellanos and Winker. Uh, outside of that, I mean, Louis, Luis Castillo's pitching better. Sonny Gray's pitching a little bit better. Their bullpen is not very good. Uh, their lineup is not very deep. I know they're going to get some of these guys back a little bit. I, I just don't – I don't personally buy or trust the Reds. They seem to be media's, like, darling. A lot of people want to love them. Any thoughts there, guys? I mean, they have they have a lot of potential. They, they're just one of those weird cases of a team that won so badly to rebuild. You can tell after they traded Rice Iglesias. But because they signed new Stockas and Cassianos and Vado and all those guys are obviously aging – they can't really rebuild what they want to. Right. So they're just kind of stuck in the middle, which is the worst place to be as a fan base. Because you're like, well, once all these guys decline, which eventually they will, what, where do you go from there? And I don't think Fernandez has an answer. So they either want to get, they want to go one way or the other. I know that they want to either be in contention to trade for people or they want to fall out and trade people. And right now they're just kind of hovering. So, right. That's that situation sounds really familiar, doesn't it? It's, it, it definitely rings true, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of hits home. Yeah. I think it's a three-team race in the Central. Uh, I, I still believe the Brewers are the best team because of their pitching. But we all know, uh, knock on wood, right? I never want to see anybody get hurt. But when, when Jack went down for us, uh, I mean, all it takes is a, a fluky thing. And, and I again, I do not trust this Brewers lineup at all. Uh, you know, I the Central, somebody's got to win it. So 
you know, hey, let's go for it. I mean, they took charge of it. Right. Good for them. I mean, they built themselves a cushion to where they can have a bad month and probably still be in the league. And, and they made a lot of hay beating up on some bad teams, which we unfortunately couldn't do. Otherwise, we'd be right there. We, I mean, if, if we take care of Pittsburgh and Colorado, we're probably only four games out. Yeah, but we didn't. So right. So here we go. <laughs> Um, the East, Mike, do you believe it all in the Phillies or the Nationals? And, and what the hell is going on with the Braves? I don't know. The Braves are falling apart. I still think the Braves are going to make a run. I do not believe in the Phillies because of their bullpen. Their bullpen is just atrocious, and it's going to continue to cost them games. Uh, the Nationals are scrappy. They're solid. But I still – Maybe when I go to Vegas tomorrow, that's the bet I make. If I can get some decent odds on the Braves to win the division. I, I wasn't on the Braves a lot. But when you look at how Darno and Ozuna not being that lineup changes that lineup. And like, the loss of Soroka. It is bad, bad. Like, they've got four Paul DeYoungs out there right now. <laughs> they're as poorly as he is right now. Like it's, it's hey, wait a minute. They brought really up Orlando Arcia last night, and he hit a tank. So maybe he is their guy. That's okay. They have nowhere to play him. <laughs> and, it was, and it was their lone run against the Pirates. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of talk this morning on MLB Network about the Mets maybe being interested in Jose Barrios. Could you imagine Barrios going to the Mets and uh, you add him in there with, with that, whew, with that group of arms? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously you can't have enough pitching. But with Carrasco coming back, I just don't know if what you'd have to give up would be worth getting. A guy you don't necessarily need. They do have a pretty loaded farm system, so you never know. That's true. You know, And I don't know what the Twins would want. I, obviously, the Twins are going to trade Nelson Cruz. A lot of talk about Tampa Bay, which we had talked about before on here. I think Tampa Bay is an awesome that fit for Nelson sense. Cruz. That's one. They don't have a lot of confidence in their lineup. They like to platoon. But he's a guy who's both sides. He just seems just to be the perfect. perfect every yep. day yep. around Randy and whoever else. I mean, that seems almost perfect to me. Um, Mike, in the I mean, West, I, again, I, what a fun division. The Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. I mean, every, the other two teams are absolute garbage. But I, I don't know what to think is still of the Giants. I don't know if this is a mirage or if this is real, they're really this good. They obviously can pitch. Their bullpen is really, really strong. Uh, that's just like the Brewers. Uh, they're a lot, they remind me a lot of the Brewers where, you know, their lineup isn't that great, but they have great pitching. And then the Dodgers and Padres, when those two teams play. Here's going to be the fun thing, Mike, and I want to hear what you have to say. I mean, two of those teams, if all three get in, are going to play in a one-game winner-go-on and loser-go-home game. Can you imagine? It might be the three best teams in the National League. Yeah, they. I think they really are the three best teams in the National League, at least right now. And it's funny, and the, last two the Giants <laughs> – And having lost <laughs> the last two games, they're still 21 games over 500. Right, so, right. I mean, they're, they're not – you wait for them to fall apart because they're supposedly a mirage, but you know, we're 85 games in now. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I think the, I think the Padres are the team to beat in that division. And, and I, I say that just w- based on the uncertainty with Trevor Bauer. Agreed. I think the Padres are, the, I said that before the year, I think I told you that, that yeah. I the Padres are the most talented team in the division, especially if the Dodgers pitching depth went and it's gone. Obviously, Bauer don't really want to touch on it too much. I don't know what's going on with him. But um, with Dustin May going down, it kind of showed, like, yeah, they have seven guys, but then Gonsolin went down. And at any and point at time, right. yeah, but he's not right. what he was last year. Right. Again. So, I mean, I, that the, division's going to be interesting. I don't know if the Giants have lasting power. If Posey needs to come back and be healthy the whole year, 
there's a couple guys in that team where their 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 um lineup is so kind of thin that if Brandon Crawford or something knock on wood obviously were to go down that lineup it just moves it makes it one step worse and it's already not very good. Yeah, well maybe Gabe Kapler isn't as bad of a manager as everybody thought. Yeah, he was. I bet but Philadelphia would love him. The thing to me about the Padres is that lineup, obviously, ever the all the talk is Fernando Tatis Jr., which it should be, as it should be. right, as it should be. But last night, Will Myers with a jack and five RBIs. You look, Cronenworth went on an absolute tear for two weeks. Awesome. It, it could be Eric Hosmer one night. It could be Machado. It could be Grisha. It could, I mean, it was even Caratini a couple times. Victor Caratini, right? Their backup catcher. The the depth of the and the length of their lineup is so fun to watch, in my opinion. All right, let's go it's to a great lineup. Really also, one quick thing I want to say. You know Rob Manford is praying that the Dodgers or the Padres win that division because the last thing he wants to see is two of the best teams in baseball playing a one-game playoff. It could raise for one day, though. Yeah, but he wants them both. I also <laughs> he, don't want that. He wants them both. And as baseball, I want a Dodgers-Padres seven-game series. Well, we, right. To, to go ahead and the winner plays the Cardinals to go on to the World Series. That's what we want. Okay, then I want a five-game series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly, we only got a few minutes here. Quickly, let's go through the American League. Uh, the Rays are at it again. Yeah, I mean, it's what they do. They're 13 games over 500. Uh, Nelson Cruz, if they add a guy like Nelson Cruz, good Lord. You know, class now goes down. They just keep winning. Well, we do have to note they have been sliding. They have. They're 5-5 five five They, were, the they were leading the division. The Red Sox have moved up. Yankees are dead in the water. And the Blue Jays are just, I think they're still a, a starting pitcher or two away from being legit threats in that division yeah uh what do you think there you think the yankees are done mike or you think they've got to run in them i'm not convinced that they're done i garrett cole is troubling obviously um the the he's trending down but we saw the yankees get off to a really slow start and then they caught fire and i believe we're in first place even for a little while so i think they are capable and i wouldn't sleep on them just yet Agreed. And, and man, Toronto, Toronto's fun to watch out there. So I think that that division is going to be a fun one also to watch. You've got four teams uh, that are going to, I think, could all be buyers at the trade deadline. And, you know, at least one of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs. That's kind of a division you hope nobody runs away with because it's just more fun if they don't. Right. But the Red Sox might. I mean, they're like, like um, Alex Cora said. We don't have to make a trade. We have a trade coming. Chris Sale will be back. Yeah. So they don't even need to make a trade right now. They're adding, when he's good, the best left-handed pitcher in baseball right. when he's on. One of, yeah. Him one Kershaw. of. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It, feels, it does, sure does feel like the Blue Jays' nine games out is a lot closer than our eight and a half. It does. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know? I don't know if that's because we don't trust the Red Sox or if we just think that they can go on a run. But. Uh, the Indians are kind of falling. They're one and nine in their last ten. I think that's the White Sox division. I, like I said, we talked about them a little bit earlier. Um, I think they're going to be buyers. I could see I could see the Royals maybe trading. I mean, they, they I don't know why they haven't traded with Merrifield yet. Um, that poor guy is just like, you know, whatever. Salvi hit another bomb last night. He might be the most fun guy in baseball. Everybody yep. seems to love him. I get the feeling he's going to finish his career in Kansas City yes. no matter what. Um, but I could see them trading a Mary Field and maybe a couple other guys. Mike, what do you think about the center? Do you think it's the White Sox and the White Sox only? Yeah, I think it is. I think they're going to they're going to continue to get better, and they're going to run away with it. And as soon as a half out in August, they get Luis Robert and uh, right. Eloy Hemingway yeah. back. And they might make the trade. And they're going to make a trade. Right. So they're yep. only going right. to get better. 
and you know none of the other four teams are going to make any trades to try and get back. In the West, the Mariners are still – I mean, they've gone 64 their last uh, 10 games. They're still hovering over – I mean, a lot of talk – some of the talk this morning was Cruz maybe to the Mariners. I just don't see it. I don't see the Mariners buying. I don't know that I see them selling unless maybe they want to trade a Mitch Haniger or somebody like that, maybe a Kyle Seeger. I, I don't know. The Astros might be the best team in the American League right now, and if we know they're going to add, they're going to be aggressive. They've got uh, a chip on their shoulder that they want to prove. And then there's the A's again. They're always, they're just like the race. They're always in it. Uh, the the West, what do you think? What do you guys think? Um, if you're the I Mariners, think... go ahead. sorry, Caleb. Yeah, if you're the Mariners, why why would you not go for it? I mean, you haven't been relevant since Griffey. Why? I, I agree. You're, you're I actually, agree. you're actually not. reaching midseason with a chance to mm-hmm. compete. I I would absolutely be a buyer if I were them. I would not because you got Jared Kelnick, um, Logan Gilbert, and Julio Rodriguez banging on the door. It's almost like next year is their year. They've got guys that can unload and get more guys to replenish that system. I don't know why Mitch Hanniger and – like, even say they even were to make a run somehow get in the playoffs, like, which they won't. But they're still not a World Series contender. They're self-aware. They know where they're at. Mitch Hanniger, it will probably be gone after this year. Right. Guess. Right. Yeah, that's probably a good thought. But I agree with Mike. I think make a run. I think that makes it fun. If they do, the Angels are only are all game above 500. They've gone seven and three in their last ten. Uh, they're going to get Trout back. I, I and we all know that. I mean, we assume that Anthony Rendon is going to hit at some point. You've got the most exciting guy in baseball. Uh, hey, this could be a really really fun second half. I think. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome, Mike. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, man. We, we are super pumped to have you join us today. Uh, hopefully, you, you'll be a regular on here. We really, really enjoy this. It was great. You know, Caleb and I talked for five hours a day about this crap. So we decided to go ahead and do this. But we like we want to get guys on here with us to share their opinions because people probably get tired of hearing our really bad opinions. So it was great, to have, <laughs> it was great well, to have you today, man. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me, and I appreciate it. And, you know, when you pitched the idea to me to begin with, you, you mentioned that you needed somebody with some terrible opinions for you guys to make fun of. So I appreciate you guys having me on to be your punching bag. <laughs> no, man, I think, I think, you, I think you, you fit right in with our bad opinions. <laughs> hey, dude, listen, have an absolute blast with your wife in Vegas. Go win a, go win a fortune. Put a hundo on the Cardinals. I wouldn't do that. You might as well burn it. But, you know, have a blast out there. It's going to be hot as hell. How many T-shirts a day do you go through? Uh, probably at least three. <laughs> That's, we're heading to New Orleans next week. I'm bringing about 47 shirts. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, dude. Hey, we'll see you, man. Have a great one. You too. Guys, thank you. Uh... Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you joining the More You Noble Sports podcast. Uh, for part two today, we would like to uh, av- obviously segue into the NBA playoffs. We've got a few things we want to talk about before we get out of here. First off, however, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time. As you know, I don't know much about this topic. But the Canadians won last night. 3-1 Tampa Bay. Anything you'd like to talk about there with Tampa Bay, Montreal? Um, it's hard, Obviously, it's always hard to come back from a 3-0 deficit. I don't think anyone's ever done it in the Stanley Cup Finals. Probably should research that. Yeah, I probably need to look that up. Yeah, but it's very uncommon to do. But I mean, if you're the Canadians, I guess just take it one game at a time and see where you end up. But the Lightning are looking like they're gonna take their second in a row, which is pretty pretty cool for them. Pretty really cool for Pat Maroon to have his third straight. Hopefully, maybe after tomorrow. So we know, just so we have that right, uh, the one team has come back to win the finals three zero. And that was the 1942 Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. So 
Kelby should have known that. That's Sorry. I expect better. We that expect better on eighty years. <laughs> right. Uh, it has happened in the in the Stanley Cup quarterfinals, the Eastern Conference semifinals, and the Western Conference first round. Uh, the, so only four times in hockey has a team come back from down three zero. So that's that's pretty interesting well, to know. Well, I guess if you're the Canadians, eventually it has to happen. So right. Will be you. Hey, if you're on FanDuel, keep maybe rocking those <laughs> those Montreal Canadiens at plus money every night. Right. It was working well until this this final. Uh, also tonight, well, uh, actually, when you guys hear this, it will be yesterday. We are, uh, but we've got the, the the preview of the NBA Finals. Two teams that have yet to win a championship in the NBA: the Hawks, the Suns, or I'm sorry, the Bucks and the Suns. So you've got Rally the Valley and you've got Fear the Deer. Yeah, I mean, the I, it's kind of hard for me to pick one here. I like the Suns a lot, and I want Chris Paul to get a championship. But the way that the Nets are built, this might be Giannis. The Bucks. No, the Nets. Oh, the yes. way the Nets are built up to be a juggernaut for however many years, um, this might be Giannis's chance to get one. And you know how the Hall of Fame and everything goes. If you don't have a championship, it gets harder and harder to get in. So, I, I don't know. I just want to see a good series with Giannis hopefully being fully healthy. For years, they've talked about Giannis and that second guy. And in the last round, it was Chris Middleton, who uh, obviously was incredible. Played almost 40 minutes a night, scored 24 points a game, eight rebounds a game, six assists a game. He did a little bit of everything, and he really stepped it up, especially when uh, Trey Young went down and, and Giannis went down, and it looked like they needed somebody. Chris Middleton became that guy. Yeah, I think he's kind of underrated. I mean, he's the last two All-Star games, he's been to both of them. So everyone's been saying he needs another guy. I think he has his guy. And he almost fits perfectly because he's not he doesn't need the ball. And Giannis can go in and drive and kick it out to him. And he doesn't miss, miss much when he's open. So, yeah, that, and Drew Holiday is a big that, third piece for them. Having, that, having Drew is huge. I mean, he didn't stop Trey Young by any means, but he tamed him enough to where they could focus more on getting rebounds and letting the bigs work because – Brooke Lopez was not getting it done all rebounding the basketball. He had a really good game in there when Giannis was out, but yeah, Brooke only averaging four rebounds a game yeah. in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. For a seven foot tall guy, that's not exactly what you want. Um, well, you, they bring in Bobby Portis off the bench, who is like again we talked about before. He is instant, instant uh, offense and instant excitement. He averaged almost seven rebounds a game in that series, along with twelve and a half points. So you know you've got those two in Lopez and. And Portis, and they're going to need those guys to, to contain DeAndre Ayton on the other side. Uh, this this Suns team's well rested, mm-hmm. well rested. Coming in, obviously both both series went six games, but when you've I mean Devin Booker, he is doing it all for Phoenix. DeAndre Ayton, uh, the number one pick overall a couple years ago, and he's starting to pay off. Finally. Starting to pay off, and then Chris Paul. When when you have those three, it's going to be interesting to watch the the big three against the big three in, in Booker, Ayton, and Paul against Middleton, Holiday, Giannis. The, the guys that I want to watch on the other side are two guys in the NBA who are grinders every single night they play. They're two guys that don't get pub. They're not going to be all-stars. They're not going to be high dollar if you play DFS. They're not going to be in that. And that's Jay Crowder in Phoenix and P.J. Tucker in, yeah. in Milwaukee. And what a battle that's going to be. Those guys are feisty. They hit big threes when they're needed. They get the rebounds. They, they do all the little things that help teams win. I would imagine they will be on each other. I don't know. I almost, I almost feel like you might see Tucker on on a Devin Booker at times. We know that he guarded Durant. Um, you might, I just, I and you it might see a Jay Crowder me. on a Middleton. It'd be hard for me. I mean, I mean obviously, Giannis is gonna have to decide whether he's on Booker or he's on Devin Booker. I mean, Booker or Aiton, because he can guard either one of the two. But he's he's got to be able to, to be on one of those two and stop them. 
Because the other one's going to do the thing, that whatever they want to do if he's not on them. Paul versus Holiday is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you might see Booker and Middleton going at it. You might see uh, Crowder guarding Giannis. That, that might be. But, but again, Michael Bridges, uh, big-time, underrated, great defender, another guy who does a lot of the good stuff for Phoenix to help them when a game doesn't score, doesn't fill up the stat, the, the, the box score, but does a lot of things. This is the first well. finals we've had in a while that actually feels even going into it. Yeah, I'm really excited like for even it. Even though Toronto won, that finals still felt lopsided until it injuries. Right. And, and you, got, you, got, you got no way. LeBron, you got no Kawhi, you got no Durant, Steph. no Steph. It's definitely out. I'm sure the NBA doesn't love it. Phoenix and Milwaukee, mm-hmm. not not two of the markets maybe they're shooting at for the NBA right now. However, as a basketball fan, I'm really excited. All right, uh, just a pick, all right, um, to make our picks. Let's go ahead and do it. I'm going to say Phoenix in six. I really think CP3 gets his first ring. I think Devin Booker, we, we are witnessing, right, we are witnessing a superstar become a superstar, a guy who a lot of people didn't know because he played out west in the Valley where, where a team that didn't always make – the playoffs or, or wasn't on TV all the time. I think Devin Booker, Chris Paul, I, I'm picking Phoenix in six. Yeah, I like that pick. I th- I also think Phoenix is going to win, but I think it's going to go seven. I don't see them. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to think. that The series just seems so even to me. And maybe I'm wrong and it's not. I just think Giannis counts as almost two superstars. And then Chris Middleton's great and everyone. I don't know. I think... It could go either way. I wouldn't be shocked that the Bucks won the series. But if you but have to make a prediction. But I'm going to pick Phoenix, but I just think Phoenix, they have something going there. They have that magic, that playoff magic that it seems like every team that wins one has. And they get they get the bonus of an extra uh, an extra couple days rest. They also get the bonus of playing game one and two at home. I think that'll really be huge. I think that crowd's going to be insane. There's nothing else going on in Phoenix right now because the Diamond, nobody's going to the Diamondbacks games. No. And, you know, the, the Cardinals will be getting ready here soon. And I'm sure people out there are really excited about that. But uh, the only game in town uh, in Milwaukee, you've still got the Brewers playing really well. So, I mean, I, I haven't paid a lot of attention just to see what the – I mean, that's, that's a happening town right now. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a pretty good place in two different sports right now, which hasn't happened a lot for them. They're probably still in a little bit of pain from Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but I think for these two teams, they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a really good series. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. I hope so, everyone stays healthy. Yeah, same. Uh, tune in, watch the NBA playoffs. I know a lot of people aren't massive NBA fans like we are, but I also know there are a lot of you who are. I really, really enjoyed. I think this is going to be a fun series. A lot of people on the Twitter talking about how, oh, this is a, t- this is a terrible series. This is COVID series. This is, they should put an asterisk next to it. I disagree. I'm really excited about it. All right. So keep an eye on the NBA as we, as we move forward. Last thing we want to talk about a little bit today, and I, and I don't want to get too deep into it because there are so many layers, so many layers, and that's the NILs with the NCAA, the name, image, likeness. Obviously, uh, every state has now been approved. Uh, every school can now, every player, every college athlete can now make money off their name, their likeness, and, and their image. Hey, shout out to those guys. That's fantastic. Uh, loved I, For years, I was on the other side. I was, they shouldn't make money. They're getting a scholarship. And the more that I read and the more that I've, I've, I've learned and the more that I've talked with people who are college athletes, uh, I am completely in the side of, of the players at this time. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's just something that should be happening. If you look at the money that coaches make in the, in the college football, and it's like um, Nick Saban makes a ton of money. But the reason he's making that money is because of the players he gets and the players perform on the field. And, um, I mean, obviously March Madness is one of the most watched things every year. Like, March, that's the top of the ratings for the whole month. And 
the fact that those guys, like, how many commercials did we see of Zion when he was playing and he wasn't making any money? That's incredible. Well, it turns out he probably was. He was making a lot of money when he was. Well, he, so maybe he, he jump-started this thing. Right. Oh, here's what I know. Two years ago when LSU wins the title, you watch an LSU game and there's 70,000 people in the stands and it seemed like half of them were wearing Joe Burrow jerseys. Right? Obviously, there's no name on the back. However, he gets nothing out of that. Guys can't go sign their autographs. Uh, can't put their name on something and make, couldn't make money off of it. Obviously, you had the Ohio State issue with the tattoos and everything else. Uh, my only concern is this seems like with everything that the NCAA does, there are going to be a lot of hiccups along the way. A lot of, oh, we didn't think about that. Uh, we saw Master P's son right? sign a, a two Hersey, sign a, a $2 million deal with a tech company that nobody's heard of. Yeah. And, and so it's just going to open up the door for a lot of coaches to say, oh, we're going to start our own company so we can sponsor whomever to get them to come play for us. Yeah, they'll figure that. I mean, yeah, that, that seems bad to me. To have someone, yeah, you can't really pay a guy $2 million to come play for you. Like that's, but, but that's what we've opened the door to, right? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be sticky situations. They were already doing stuff like that anyway. Probably. Correct. Now it's going to be out, out in the open. But at least now these people, like the superstars, there will be a new football superstar next year that we probably don't even know yet that will need to make money because of how much money he's making ESPN or he's making the, the, um, the city he plays for or the bars he plays around. I mean, college sports are bigger, are sometimes in some cities bigger than the professional sports, so the fact that those teams can't make any money... I mean, how many Alabama games are not sold out? Zero. They're sold out every single time. Right. What do they have, 70,000 people in that stadium? All there to see those guys play, and they don't get any part of that money? Like, that's crazy to me. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting time for the NCAA. I'm intrigued to see what happens to the smaller schools. I'm, I'm intrigued to see um, what happens to the Power Five. Do, how do the lower schools in the Power Fives handle this? I think that's going to be interesting. The Alabamas, the Dukes, the Carolinas, the LSUs, the Tennessees, they're going to have plenty of donor money and plenty of exposure. Think about Oregon, right? I mean, the owner of Nike is from Oregon. So are there, is Oregon just going to offer everyone a Nike deal a Nike to, come, to come to Oregon? Maybe. I mean, maybe, and how right? How cool would that be to, to be a star at Oregon and be in a Nike commercial? I, I mean, or go on Twitter for them and just pump, pump their shoes for also, Nike. Also, it has to be awesome for these college athletes to, uh, now they're in NCAA football because they were able to do this, and they're just going to have a lot more opportunities, and it's really cool. It's a good time to be a big D1 athlete, right? Absolutely, now. absolutely. I think you're going to see the rich get richer. I mean, metaphorically and and obviously in, in real life. However, I think what will be interesting and what could be great for the sport is to see these lower schools, the non-Power 5 teams, especially in football, maybe break away because I don't know how Illinois State basketball pays anybody. Like, I don't know what that looks like. But that might be good because we've talked about in the past teams like Boise State, Central Florida, uh, Utah in the past, teams who have popped up and been great not get a shot. Obviously, we know NCAA football is going to expand to 12 teams, which is a fantastic start. We'll talk about that later. Uh, But it's going to be a really interesting thing to see. Hey, shout out again to the athletes for getting to use their name, to use their likeness. Also, for those of you... Fans like myself, maybe we see an NCAA football game come back. No, it's back. It's back. All right, it is coming back. I, I had heard the rumors. I didn't know if that it's was confirmed. Run. Maybe the greatest sports game of all time, especially in dynasty mode. So that's awesome. Hopefully, the players get some money out of that, which I assume they're going to. Thank you, Ed O'Bannon. That, that's and, why and, they were able to do it again. Right. And I'm also. I also brings me back every time we think of this to Reggie Bush, 
Yeah. And how much money he made Southern California. And how much money could Reggie Bush have made in L.A. Like, I mean, as a college athlete. Obviously, arguably, but maybe the greatest college football player of all time. And then I get paid a in dime argument, for it. Right. And could you imagine the amount of money he could have made out there at USC Rightfully with so. Matt Leinert? Uh, right. And, and his... Also, like, all the girlfriends he had, the popular girlfriends he had out there and everything else. Good Lord, this guy would have been the limit for Reggie yeah. Bush. So, this is going to be something fun to watch. Something really interesting to see how this how this transpires and how it moves forward. Again, I'm not super well-versed. I'm going to let the lawyers handle all of that and the coaches and the athletic directors and the families of the players. But a really solid step forward, I think, in allowing these players to start making some money off of their name and their likeness and their image. All right, guys. Uh, Caleb, anything you'd like to add before we get out of here? Um, just go watch the NBA Finals games. If you have a chance to watch the NHL, um, Stanley Cup, the, uh, game six is on tomorrow. Game five. Game five is on tomorrow. Hopefully the Canadians make it interesting, and Cardinals need to go beat the Giants again today. Right. All right, guys. Hey, thanks again for joining us. One more time, if you're on the if you're on Twitter, please give us a follow at more underscore noble. We appreciate you. We will have uh, next week. Obviously, is the All Star break. We will have an episode that we will be releasing probably Monday or Tuesday, which will showcase our first half award winners. Talk a little bit about the home run derby and where do the Cardinals go in the second half. Once again, thanks, guys. We appreciate and love every one of you. Have a great day, and we will see you next time. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know.